welcome to the Destination Begin podcast. I'm your host, Kristen Smith. I've lost over 250 pounds. I've started my life over multiple times and managed to find humor, lessons, and joy in the process. And now I'm here sharing those stories with you. Thanks for joining me. Hi, hi. Welcome to the podcast. I have a guest again today. This is getting to be a thing. I have Sarah Curry with me. She is my friend and a coach in our boot camp and a coach at the Carillon where I used to work and an amazing human being and my friend. So welcome, Sarah. Thank you. Sarah's here to talk about her life and her relationship with, I don't know what we say, relationship with food, your body, your history with, with eating and food and yeah, your body. Exactly. So, uh, Sarah brought this up because she's been listening to the podcast and she knows my story and said, Hey, I think this would be a great conversation to have on the podcast. I agreed. And so it's kind of a part of a series. We had an episode with Paige talking about her history, um, overcoming bulimia and anorexia. And we've talked a lot, obviously about obesity and losing weight in this podcast. And so I think it's important to talk about relationship with food and body, whether it manifests in an eating disorder of eating too much or eating too little or binging and gaining weight or binging and feeling shame or binging and purging or any of all of those things. So just a reminder that we're going to be talking candidly. And if there's anything here that might trigger you based on the topic, I suggest that you potentially don't listen to this podcast or listen knowing that we will be talking about things that may be very triggering. So, all right, so I'm going to just let Sarah chat. I just kind of want to have a candid conversation so you all can get to know her story at the same time that I do. So, Sarah, why don't you tell us a little bit about, A, your life now um, and how we got to know each other, and then we'll kind of dig in. Sure. So I became a personal trainer back in 2000 when I moved to Miami. I, I'm from Texas. Oh, yeah, we should start there. Where are you from? Yeah. So I came here in 2000, I got my personal training license, not for a career choice, but just because I wanted to learn more about body lifting, body weight lifting, and just um, being in shape. That was part of some of my disorder, was just like constantly trying for that perfect goal of the human body. And um, I was into it, but I didn't see that as a career source for me and I became a public school teacher and I taught school for 10 years and in 2015 I took a leave of absence and I started working at a hotel called the Carillon and I started with one yoga class and now I have many more classes and personal training clients and I found a passion of sharing fitness with others and just making that my career now so Okay. It's kind of a little about me. And I brought, or I met Sarah when I started working at the Caroline, but I heard of Sarah because my very first boot camp member, Javier, um, when I was telling him I needed more coaches, he said, well, A, he got me hooked up to work at the Caroline. And then he said, you know, Sarah is a really great instructor there. I bet she would be so great here in boot camp. And so I asked her when I met her and she was fully booked. She didn't have time to work in the boot camp. And then I don't remember what happened, but one day... She said, I'm free. I could coach for you. And I feel like it was such a coup because I think you're the most popular teacher at the Carillon. The lo- you've been there the longest? No. Almost, no. No. I've been there seven years. But, well, you, but very, very popular. Very, very good instructor. I feel like 
of all of the people that we could have tapped from around here, <laughs> we won. And other members feel that way, too. So, so Sarah's our coach on Mondays, part of the team. And then... Um, just became a big part of the boot camp community, which is really fun. I love it. So, so talk a little bit about your about why why we're having this conversation. You talk about your passion for fitness. So, how did that start? And start from the beginning. Sure. So, I left uh, school. I graduated high school um, at eighteen, and then I went to a school with none of my friends. I just wanted to get away from home. A lot of my friends were staying nearby so they would like commute to school or they would you know not they didn't move far away and I wanted to like move far away from my house um just so I could have some independence because I'm an only child and my mom really like you know kind of sheltered me so I kind of wanted to spread my wings a little bit so I moved to a school in East Texas that was three hours away from my home so it was close enough that I could drive home on the weekends But I still, you know, could have my independence. I lived in the dorm. I had, like, you know, a roommate. We lived in a tower with a thousand girls. And they used to call it the double Ds. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Because it was just so many women. It was all of us. And, of course, you all become friends with the people that you um, live next door to. Because all your doors are open. And we're always running in and out of each other's rooms and doing laundry and, like, you know, grabbing a bite to eat and studying together and doing tie bow together we would put on the tie bow tapes and you know we were just always together you know you always have instant friends when you're in the dorm it sounds so fun (laughs) it was really fun i want to do that now (laughs) and so when i got there one of my roommates um natasha she was into weightlifting and so she um took me to the gym i had no idea i would just did cardio you know, and I was a soccer player in high school and dance. So I come to college and I already know that the it, you typically gain weight when you move away from home because you're not used to, you know, your mom's cooking. So, yeah. you know, I, what were we eating? Ramen noodles, um, Taco Bell, like cheap food, like whatever we could, you know, whatever money we could scrounge up. We were buying fast food or a lot of ramen noodles. We had those little hot pots. And um, I was determined not to gain the freshman freshman 15. I just, I knew I didn't want to gain, like, I was 120 pounds when I graduated high school. And that was, like, a good weight on me. I'm 5'3", uh, and I have a muscular build. And, um, yeah, it was, like, a healthy weight at 120. And I just didn't want to gain weight. I just liked the way I looked. And so my friend, Natasha, she started um, teaching me how to go to the gym. And we would just do, like lift some weights and nothing you know crazy we would look through the shape magazines or the self magazines and like look at what um the exercises they're modeling and just try to emulate those like that's literally how we would work out wow i always wondered who did those workouts in those magazines (laughs) see there you go (laughs) college girls (laughs) and then it became an obsession you know so i started just like doing it innocently and then it was like oh, I want to look like these girls in the magazines. And then I started um, taking Ripped Fuel, which you can get at, like, GNC's. And it would just give you, like, a bunch of, like, caffeine and make you, like, want to work out and suppress your appetite. So I was, like, Ripped Fueling. I was Diet Coking. I was, like, smoking cigarettes. Just everything to, like, suppress my appetite. And, um, And then I started, like, counting calories. 
and I went and bought like a book of all the basic foods from like the fast food chains, like how much each um, item has in you know calories. Mm. And so I, then I became aware of like the calories and the fat. And I was like, oh, I, I think I should only eat a thousand calories a day. That sounds like a good round number. I had no idea. Like I just yeah, kind of wow. just threw something out there. I was like a thousand calories a day sounds like what I should be trying to reach for. So I would count calories and I had a food journal and, you know, I would really do like low fat stuff, like, you know, oatmeal for breakfast, like a veggie burger. I was constantly hungry because I'm just eating fluff. Like none of that stuff has any nutrients in it. Yeah. You know, so I was always hungry and I would suppress my appetite by working out or drinking diet Coke or smoking cigarettes. Like I just wasn't eating really. I was eating very little. And, um, I remember coming home, um, for Easter to visit my mom and she looked at me and she started crying. Oh, wow. And that was like an aha moment. She was like, Sarah, you've taken this dieting too far. You, you know, you look really thin. You look really like not healthy. And I didn't like seeing my mom cry. And that was kind of like, oh, okay, maybe I am taking this a little too far. Uh, So when I went back to school, uh, I saw a nutritionist there. And she, you know, told me to bring my calories up to 2,000. I'm like, whoa. <laughs> and this was your, all your freshman year. So, like, you went to school. This, I went to, yeah, this is now my sophomore year. Okay. So, the sophomore year a is year when, and a half. when I, yeah, a year and a half. So, like, yeah, when I um, started dieting too much. And the nutritionist just said, bring it up to 2,000. I'm like, yeah, right. So, that didn't work. You know, I'm just, she's just throwing out a number. She didn't explain why I needed yeah. to do that or... Just to, double what you were eating. Just double what no you're way. eating. And like, yeah, so that did, did nothing for me. And my um, dad gave me the opportunity to switch schools to an out-of-state school. So he said, you know, if you show me the first two years of college that you're not going to just screw off and, and not um, pay attention to your education, then I will um, support you in going to an out-of-state school of your choice. Uh-huh. After your first two years of college. Nice. And so we did a little trip to Miami. Aha, uh-huh. that's how you got here? And I stayed at the <laughs> Fountain Blue. Ooh. And we toured uh, FIU campus, and it's on the bay. Mm, and, so you know, I was like, wait, you're telling me I can go to school here at FIU, and then I can come home and go to the beach? Like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Sign me up. Yay. <laughs> It is that magical here in Miami. I don't know why the whole world isn't here, but I don't want them to come here and be too busy. <laughs> so then um, that's when I really honed down on my dieting because I was like, I'm moving to Miami. I'm a Texas girl. Like, how am I going to fit in with these hot Latinas? Uh, and the only image I had of Miami was Will Smith's <laughs> Welcome to Miami song. Yeah. And he's riding the jet skis with these beautiful vivacious latina woman in their beautiful hot pink bikinis i'm like there is no way my little skinny texas body is gonna fit in with those girls in miami so i started like dieting even more and just like you know constantly going to bed hungry like you go to bed thinking about the one meal you can have the next day and of course the next day you never allow yourself that meal i mean i lived off of subway Subway sandwiches, 
Um, Taco Bell, I could have the bean burrito because that's 420 calories. That's wow. the, that's the, the least uh, caloric thing at Taco Bell is the bean burrito. If so you, you ever were, wanted to know. So you were still <laughs> eating a thousand calories a day? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I didn't break that until uh, I came to Miami. My parents made me see a therapist. I saw one therapist, just like a counselor, like a psychologist. And um, she was pretty much blaming my parents, saying that, um, because she could, like, they were bickering or arguing or something, and she was like, I think Sarah's the one that's keeping you two together, and you're putting a lot of pressure on Sarah. And so she feels like the only thing that she can control is her food. And so they were kind of blaming it on them. Was that true, or do you feel like psychologically that was true? I mean, I don't feel psychologically that was true. I mean, and also my mom was obese. She was, like, very much overweight for all of my life. And so they also said that maybe, like, I was afraid to become that or turn mm. into that. And I, I, that never really crossed my mind. I mean, my mom was a vivacious woman, like, full of life and energy. And even though she was, like, 200 pounds overweight, like, it didn't... Um, affect her like everyone loved her everyone flocked to her like all my Mm. friends loved her you know she was just magic everywhere she went so I don't feel like her body image and she would worked really hard on teaching me how to listen to my body and and eat the foods that my body's asking for and she'll tell me this story how I was like I think I was like five or six I was young and my mom asked me what I wanted for my birthday dinner, that she would cook a birthday dinner for me and my friends. And I asked, I told her beef stew. And she said, you're the only five-year-old that would say beef stew. Like, you know, <laughs> most kids would say pizza. Or, yeah. You know what I mean? But she always taught me how to, like, listen to my body. And she said, you know, you when I whenever you're full, you just stop eating. You don't have to clean the plate. I think, you know, she was raised wow. in a culture um, that you clean your plate. Yeah, that's a common thing I deal with with clients is the clean the plate club. Like, they were taught that from an early age. So, that's interesting you were taught that. Yeah, that even though my like... mom had her body images, she really worked hard on not bringing that into my, wow, that's my a, life. That's yeah, awesome. she, was, she was an incredible lady. That's awesome. Wow. So, you're here junior year. Yeah. And, well, and getting thinner and still dieting. I'm still dieting. And... I know nobody, you know, I, I come to Miami just by myself without my family and it's a hard transition as you know from Minnesota, like Texas is also the, it's, it's a little bigger than Minnesota, but I, it's still that small town feel where like you're instantly friends with your neighbors. You're like, you say hello to people in the grocery stores, you know, here it's not like that. You're very much isolated. You're very much by yourself. And um, especially being a white American, you are a minority. Oh, yeah, for sure. And so I felt really out of place, you know, even though I had the beach to, you know, find peace with. Because that always brought me comfort. But I felt very much alone and isolated. So I just, I got down to 92 pounds and um, just skinny and not healthy. The biggest thing on me was my head. I was just skin and bones. And did you feel, did you see it? Like, now you can see it, but at the time, did you see it, or did you still... I thought I was gorgeous. Yeah. I would look in the mirror and just be like, yeah, I'm finally getting that perfect image that I want. Wow. 
And did you, um, did you ever stop dieting? Did you get to a point where you were trying to maintain that? Or were you always like a little more, a little more, a little more? I, when I was at 92 pounds, I was like, I think that's good enough. Wow. And I was just needed to maintain. Wow. So what was your energy level like at 92 pounds? Because you're an active person now. And if you were act, working out, how, how did you handle all of that? Um, I, I, I still had plenty of energy. I don't remember like not being like full of energy. I still had a lot of energy. I just, I just channeled it. I just would put the food out of my mind, like just stop thinking about it and, you know, work out or I was working. Wow. So in school, working, working out 92 pounds. Yeah. Holy buckets. Wow. So how long did that, when was your turning point? I mean, that's Um, a long time to be dieting. It took until I was about 23. So So graduated college. Graduated college. Wow. And so that was five years. Wow. Yeah. So I actually, it started with, um, I mean, it was a series of progressions that helped me. But the first thing was uh, I went to a gym that had a poster of, I think it was Cindy Crawford. And she was like chewing on a carrot stick. And then next to her was a, a woman that was a bodybuilder that was um, in shape with muscles and it said, what is your definition of beauty? And I remember like mesmerized by this poster, just like, wait, I've been trying to reach that skinny version of myself for all this Mm. time, but that's not what's really pretty. What's really pretty is a woman that has toned muscles and looks healthy Yeah, and is vibrant and strong, not someone that's skinny, sticks and bones. Yeah, That is not attractive. We might think it's attractive because of the the pretty photos in the magazines, but that's not real. Those are photoshopped, and we know that. Wow. You know, so... Wow, so you looked in the mirror and thought, I am beautiful, yeah. and I'm good. But then you saw that poster, and you saw something else. Yeah, I saw something. It clicked in me. It was just like, oh, I've been trying to attain this goal that, you know, for what? Doesn't make me happy, really. Like, you know, I'm not healthy, yeah it's not something you can maintain did you have any health side effects at that point i lost my period yeah yeah i lost my period um and i had to go um to the doctor to to get that regulated again she gave me some progesterone and after a while of taking that i got my period back Mm. wow so you see the poster at the gym, and then what did you do? Did you immediately get a plan? Did no, you just... no, I mean, because I was always working out. Like, I, that was yeah. always, you know, I had to, like, a non-negotiable workout once a day yeah. to make sure my mind was at ease mm-hmm. um, so I could eat, you know, because if I didn't work out, then why am I eating? Oh, uh, wow. Yeah, so that was very much uh, my non-negotiable Um, But when I saw that poster, I was like, well, I guess I could eat a little bit more, you know, so I, I did start eating more and not like unhealthily, like I would eat chicken, rice and beans, but I wouldn't like worry so much about the calorie intake that much. Like it would still be a thought in my mind of how many calories I'm ingesting, but I don't have to like hit a certain goal every day of how much calories to eat. It was just, I can eat that healthy food. And not, like, stress about um, how many calories am I really bringing into my body. 
Wow. And was that a hard transition? Cause it was. Because who... I'm still, I'm yeah. still like thinking about it. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, wow, I had like 2,400 calories. I would still write it in my journal. And because it's like now part of my um, habits. And yeah. so I'd be like, oh, I'm going to have to work out extra hard tomorrow. I'm going to have to do two workouts. Mm. Wow. So how long did it take for you to kind of transition from being 92 pounds into a more healthy weight? Was there a plan? Was there just kind of a... I mean, it was it was pretty gradual. Maybe it took me about like, um, I want to say like two years. I got to like 114 and I was feeling super good at that time. I felt healthier. I had more energy. I was looking fabulous. Just yeah. felt, I really felt good in my skin at that weight, like comfortable. And that's yeah. when I met my husband. Huh. Yeah, I was 23. 23, I met your husband. You guys have been married for a long time, I know. We've been together 19 years. Yeah. yeah it's been a while, but married 13 so exciting. So a lot of people, when I hear their stories about coming out of an eating disorder, there's a, they have a hard time eating and watching the scale go up. Um, how was that for you? Was there a, was that a, there a disconnect there? Was it difficult or did you have a vision in mind of what you wanted? It was a whole bunch of little things. Um, my, my husband, well, he was my boyfriend at the time he was super active too like into surfing and skateboarding and mountain biking so we were doing like fun activities together but he also has a huge sweet tooth and so we would go like after dinner we would ride our skateboards over to ben and jerry's and we would get like an ice cream uh sunday like ice cream and cookie and i'm like and i'm in love and so i want to do this thing with my boyfriend at the time and he's loving me he loves me for no matter what my body looks like and so, like, I start to, like, enjoy food a little bit more because I'm in love. You know when you're in love, you're just, <laughs> you don't let those things bother you as much. Yes. You know, I felt unconditional love from him. And he was, he's also, like, physically fit and into health and fitness. But he enjoys pleasures of yeah. life, you know. He enjoys an ice cream sundae every now and then, and he doesn't feel bad about it. So, like, watching that behavior... And knowing that, okay, it's it's not the end of the world if I have an ice cream sundae. It's going to be okay. Yeah. yeah. And then my best friend at the time, Idalise, she was also very petite and very much um, a great role model for me. She, I would never forget, she made me dinner for my birthday. I had just met her like a, a few months before and she asked me to come over to her house she would cook me dinner for my birthday and she made fondue ah and of course I'm thinking oh that's a lot of calories that's a lot of fat it's just cheese and bread right but so good I come over there and I think I only had like two pieces of bread and I remember her talking to me like the next day and just being like how offended she was that she had made me this beautiful meal and that I didn't barely eat. And she said, you know, like food is meant to be enjoyed. Mm-hmm. It's a very much a social activity. And if you cut out food from the equation, you're missing out on so many amazing memories and experiences. And she's like, somebody makes you a home cooked meal, you go and you enjoy the meal mm-hmm. and you don't worry about the consequences just go and enjoy the food and know that someone made it with love in their heart 
And I was like, yeah, you're right. Like, why am I, you know, taking this, this pleasure out of my life? This is a big pleasure. You're right. And so, like, slowly, like, just having those influences in my life started to help. Interesting. It's interesting because, you know, sitting where I sit, I coach people to lose weight. And we talk a lot about social eating and special occasion eating. And there's anxiety around those occasions for people who are trying to lose weight. So then it's interesting to hear also the anxiety from the other side of people that don't feel comfortable eating at all at all and so you have a social situation with food that's meant to be enjoyed prepared with love in order to celebrate something and it just it i'm always i'm always just so intrigued to see how those that setting that idea no matter where you come from it seems like it can cause anxiety and it's an inanimate object it's food something we put in our body it's fuel it's like putting gas in the tank but for whatever the reason is wherever our mindset is impacts how we feel about and how we can participate in those things so it's almost like everyone has to come up with the thought process that makes um the food and the food occasions a healthy thing instead of you know, an anxiety filled thing to deal with a stressful thing. People say, I got to go to this party. I don't know what to do. You know, afraid they're going to overeat or I'm going to go to this party. I don't know what to do. I don't want to offend them because I can't eat that. And so I just find it interesting how it doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter where you come from and we're all people and we all have our thing mm-hmm. with food and celebrations. Yeah. And for some people it's something like, you know, I have a hard time even going sometimes based on my behaviors in the past of not being able to stop eating, I don't want to go to those types of things because I don't want to have to make those decisions or deal with it. And so it's so interesting to me to hear that the other side of the coin can be that you have so much discipline or so much inability to really enjoy the food for the other reason. I just found that really interesting. So what is your, what's your abiding thought now in those situations how do you deal with those things in balance because you're a healthy person you're fit you're active you're not overweight you're not underweight and you go to social situations i see you in social situations i see you at game night enjoying food so what is what is your strategy for food well my strategy is i try to put um, things in my mouth that have some sort of nutritional value to them so for example chips has like no nutritional value in them like you're just eating air pretty much there's nothing really fueling your body there so I try to avoid things that don't have any type of nutritional value so I'll try to eat you know nuts cheese um you know tacos like food that actually has something in it that I know okay I'm feeding my body protein right now I'm giving my body vitamin a I'm giving zinc I'm like Mm -hmm. really into like nutrition so just trying to like um any type of food I eat just having some sort of purpose it's not just a filler I like that. That's a good way to look at it. Because it's like, ooh, the chips are so delicious. And I know you like chips. Um, they're so good. They're so delicious. But yeah, when you look at it as well, this is nutritionally void. I right. should choose something else. Yeah, I should choose like, uh, you know, carrots or cucumber, cut up cucumbers or green beans. Like dipping that in hummus or something. Anything. I mean, that's better. It has at least vitamin C in it. Yeah. You're giving your body... So, like, I was so nutritionally deprived when I was starving myself. I was giving myself no fuel yeah and then you know you're just like it makes your mind crazy yeah totally you get a hormonal 
hormonal response and emotional response. And that's why we lose our periods when we are not eating enough. Yeah. I've had that with bodybuilder prep. You lose your period. It's not healthy. Because no. you're not feeding your body the nutrition. And now I just like all those like good healthy fats like avocados. I'm, I love nuts. Any type of nuts. Yes. Nuts. So good. <laughs> nuts and avocado. So then when there is a situation with non-nutritious food like cake and birthdays and all of those things. Yeah, you know, maybe it's helpful that you were taught to stop eating when you were full and you don't have to clean your plate. But but how do you handle those types of things? Do so, you have is that ever real rare it's rear its ugly head as far as the no. idea of weight gain or Oh no, no, because I I have a good portion control because of all my, you know, calorie counting. I know like one piece of cake, you know, looks like this, not like yeah. this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, a piece of cake, it's like the, like the size of a puzzle piece, essentially. Yeah, but it's 200 like, calories, like this, you know. Little but square. Mo- yeah, a little square. It's a teeny yeah. square. But you go to, like, Cheesecake Factory, and it's, like, a quarter of a cake. Yeah, so right? that's, yeah, that's too much. Yeah, it's portion sizes, yeah. And I, I, um, I still do portion sizes with pretty much a lot of things. Like, if I'm going to have cereal, I'm measuring a cup of cereal. Because they're so, you're, it's so easy to just fill your bowl with cereal well that could be like four cups of cereal if right. you're not careful totally yeah so i mean i have rules when it comes to like food that that could you know potentially put on a lot of weight that you that you know like donuts or chips or cookies like i have limits around those because i don't you know want to overindulge yeah what and are- feel bad and feel guilty in the next yeah. day and feel gross in your body. Yeah. Yeah. So what are some of your rules? So do you measure like with a measuring cup or I do. a scale? So I have a lot I of people that, cup. that talk about like, oh, disordered eating. People like to label things as disordered eating um, because people tend to think their way is the only way, which I'm a very big fan of. Whatever works for you is the way you should live. Um, but I'm a big fan of measuring food. It's what keeps me from, not even from overeating, but from my mind from obsessing over how much did I eat and should I have like the after effect and so measuring is my is my evidence against the lizard brain the smarmy lawyer that wants me to just binge and hate myself I've got the evidence to say no it was a cup of cereal or it was a cup of chips that's reasonable yeah that's reasonable so I measure I weigh and measure and I plan to weigh and measure the rest of my life and so you know it's interesting when I hear other people that weigh or measure because there's people that have a case against it case for it so do you um do you always all the foods or just certain hyper palatable foods do you just certain foods and do you weigh and measure for other people in your house no but i've taught my stepson because he loves cheetos oh yes <laughs> he like loves cheetos and i don't mind if he has cheetos but he has to have a portion size of cheetos yeah so i give him um uh, a little um container like to go container and he measures that and that's his cheetos for the day that's fine it's perfect yeah like we're all we all can have those high fatty foods you know in moderation yeah like if you want a donut it's fine go have one donut but don't have four of them right you can have a chocolate chip cookie but you know one or two at the most and that's it you're done Yes. And if you can't, I would say like, if you cannot control that, yeah. some never is easier than sometimes in some foods. But a lot of times when we teach ourselves, like it's okay to have that portion and I could have that every day. Now we find out we don't actually want it all of the time. So we've taken that, um, that 
what is it the allure away from it that that shiny um, scarcity from it. Um, I know a lot of people in eating disorder programs have talked about how every single meal they'd be given a little tiny piece of chocolate. You know, every single meal you're going to eat a piece of chocolate. So they would learn to trust themselves that they could manage having chocolate, not gain weight, not overeat, and that it was fine um, to learn to kind of trust yourself that you can stop. And then if that's something like, like for me with donuts, like one donut is just, it's not going to happen. Like I've proved it to myself enough. It's not going to happen. So then it's never as easier than sometimes, or I have my donut party rule (laughs) with donuts. Um, But you're a fit person, you're a fitness instructor, you do a lot of movement. Um, And so talk a little bit about managing food and hunger and knowing how much you should be eating based on how you feel and what you're doing. That's a lot to pack in. I know. A lot of people say, well, (laughs) if I'm working out or I'm, I'm putting out this energy, how much more should I eat or how many calories? How do you, how do you figure out what's, what's enough based on your active lifestyle? I, like I said, um, my mom taught me to listen to my body. So I, what works best for me is to have three square meals a day. It's just made, like, you know, we're talking about how we can control our lizard brain and not constantly get in that pattern of feeling guilty. So for me, if I have a, a good solid breakfast, lunch, and dinner, like I feel really at ease with myself. And I try to make that a well-balanced breakfast, lunch, and dinner so they're healthy. And if I'm hungry in between, I try to eat healthy fats like avocado or nuts or cheese because our body needs fat. And I deprived myself of fat for so many years. Mm -hmm. I was on that low-fat diet craze for so long, and it's so bad for you. And I know that our brains need healthy fats. Yes. To survive. So I'm really into, like, eating, like, the right kinds of fats, like the healthy fats. Well, women, Steak, women need fat. You know, it's all of that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So, and if I'm hungry, I'll make myself a smoothie with uh, whole milk. I The full flat version, you know, <laughs> like mm-hmm. whole milk, whole organic milk, frozen banana, scoop of, of vegan protein powder, scoop of peanut butter. Good. And that like satisfies me. Yeah. That's good. So what would you say to somebody who is struggling with an eating disorder? Someone who's having a hard time eating, wants to lose weight, has that body dysmorphia, feels like, okay, this is such a lovely story from Miss Sarah, but that's such a pipe dream for me. I just can't imagine it. What do you think, um, what do you think someone like that needs to hear? What did you need to hear? What, what do you want to say to someone in that situation? Do you want to feel skinny or do you want to feel strong and empowered? Mm. Do you want to be, you know, constantly thinking about your weight? Or do you want to be, you know, the person that can do 10 push-ups on their toes? Yes. And I want to be that person that's strong. Yeah. I want to be that person that feels fit and vibrant and vivacious. And I can do all of the sports. You give me a sport, I'm going to do it. I'm fit. I can, I can do it. You know, I, before when I was 92 pounds, there's no way I could have done like sports like that no yeah can you list all the things that you do because it's so fascinating to me i just do a lot of things roller skating hula hooping rock Rock climbing skiing surfing paddle boarding snorkeling boogie boarding pretty much all the sports in the water you teach yoga yeah pilates yeah boot camp well i'm learning pilates i'm not teaching it yet well we've 
You can do Pilates. <laughs> Sarah came over and she was like, oh, I'm just going to go out and surf after we're done. I'm just like, ah, yeah, of course you are. <laughs> it's such a beautiful day. Why not? Yeah. We live in Miami. Yeah. It's so awesome. And that's such a great, great way to look at it. I'm excited to get back to that. I'm Bodybuilding for me is like aesthetics right now, which is not how I've always been with my body. It's like, I want to be able to go do all the things. All the things. And it's just so much fun to be able to hop on the bike and then go for a run and then go for a walk and then, yeah, jump around in the pool and not get tired um, because, you know, you're feeding your body and your, you know, functional fitness and hula hooping. <laughs> and acro, no, we had a acro yoga demonstration from Sarah at our boot camp beach party too. Yeah. Super and cool. I like to mountain bike. I like to do all the things. And we're so lucky that we live in South Florida where... The weather is nice most of the year. Yeah, so you can do all. And so things. we can do all the things outside, which yeah. is so amazing. And then you go up north to the cold, and you do the skiing thing when it's cold up there because you like it. that. It's like I love to ski. <laughs> I was like, ew! You went to the cold on purpose. It's so terrible. But I know people that like to. When you enjoy winter sports, then winter isn't so terrible. But. But I'm in. I'm in, and I'm out. I'm there for for a week, yeah. and then I fly back to the sunshine. Yeah, that's the way to do it. <laughs> Zoom in, zoom out. Yes. Well, I think it's really important that um, that the message just remains really loud. There's a lot of body positivity um, that's going on, the body positivity movement. And while I'm all a fan for, you know, not shaming people for no matter what they look like, to continue to simply make the message be about health and strength and function. So it's okay. You don't have to be a, a waif. Um, but it's also not okay to be so large that you can't move and you can't function. So I think that message hits every single group of people, whether you're overweight or underweight, struggling to manage your food. The whole ideal is to be able to move your body, to feel, feel good strong. in your body, to be strong, feel strong, to be able to run away from a rabid a dog. <laughs> yes. And then, you know, pick something up that fell on your head, right? Like to be strong and and agile and nimble. And if, the, if those things are things you cannot accomplish, then, you know, your relationship with how you're feeling your body is the thing to address. I think that's, that encompasses all the things. And this will carry on as we continue to age. Like, yeah. you know, because of my physical fitness, I, you know, if I fall down, I'm easy to, to bounce right back up. You know, yes. I have, um, you know, good reflexes, good skills. And, that was learned, you know, I'm, you know, through all my training is, that's, you know, also really important. I want to like get old and I want to be able to be fit as an older person. I want to yeah. be able to still do all the things, yeah. maybe not as intense, but yeah. I still want to be out doing things and enjoying life and not, yeah, not like so sick that, you know, I, I can't enjoy. They say the difference between a walker and a wheelchair is basically how you live your life up until the time you're 50. So, you know, in the nursing home, there are people who are bedridden, people who are in, nurse, in wheelchairs and people who are in walkers and all things remaining equal. It's typically the people that are active and engaged in life, their whole young life that end up as an older person being able to still take care of themselves, still have balance, still have agility and independence. I want to be independent when I'm old, you know, like that's the thing that I think about with movement is to be independent, to be able to bend down and tie my own shoes as long as I can and cut my own toenails and, and you know, reach up to the top of a shelf. Be an active and, member of society. Yeah, and be able to go somewhere. So it's all, it's, it's not just about the aesthetics and fitting into the, not anymore. into the things. You know, it's, it's frustrating because the generations, it seems like 
it's crazy that we can't seem to get this lesson across um, strong enough so that generation after generation doesn't have to learn this the hard way. It's frustrating. We got to figure out a way to get it, to get it. Maybe, maybe as women like you and me, I mean, I'm done having kids, but you are not the, you know, now the, the message to the children will be the ones that we've learned as adults to say, yeah. you know, I want you to be strong. I yeah. want you to be powerful. I'm not going to compliment you on the size that you wear or that you're a good no. eater. Yeah. But that, you know, that it's oh, all look, about you're, how you're you feel inside. Yeah. Yeah, and doesn't it feel good when you can do a push-up on your toes? Doesn't it feel good when you can run around the block without feeling breathless? Doesn't it feel good when you can chase your friend up a flight of stairs? Yes. They'll feel good. Yes. And it builds your confidence. Yes, and to teach, and with food, you know, the one thing that I, I wish so much that I had figured out a long time ago is the, that even quote-unquote bad food is fuel. You know, you eat an ice cream cone, it's full of sugar. Okay, that's not healthy. But guess what? You just put, like, nitrous in your gas tank. And you can go do something. You know, you've got, like, this super fast-burning energy. So I always tell people at the beach on Monday morning, did you eat, like, garbage this weekend and, you know, eat pizza and, gar- and on beer? Guess what? You've got so much glycogen in your muscles. Let's use it. Let's not hate ourselves and have penance now and work it off and burn the calories. Let's use the fuel. Like, what sounds fun? What sounds good? How do you want to burn this off? To have that relationship, too, as we age and as we see younger kids growing up to say, like, yeah, you're going to go to a birthday party. There's going to be popcorn and pizza and stuff. Awesome. I hope you run around and you go to the the jumping, the, the, jumping trampoline, <laughs> the trampoline park. And then tomorrow, let's do something active because we're going to feel so energized instead of, ugh, you know, I need to go work that off. I spent, even after I got to a healthy weight, I spent several years just trying to work off everything I ate. I ate that. I better go work it off. It's just such a negative relationship to where it is. Now it's like, oh, I filled the tank. (laughs) That was fun. (laughs) Now what do we want to go do? (laughs) Let's go do something extra active because I got the fuel. And it feels good then to, you know, use it as fuel. I think of myself as a vehicle with a gas tank. And normally we want to put like really good fuel in there. But if we put rocket fuel in there in the form of donuts... I mean, that's really what it is. You know, you get all of this, these giant insulin response. Guess what? That's energy. It's ready to go. So that's how, at least that's how I look at it. No, so. that's, that's how I look at it now too. Yeah, it's good. It's a way healthier state of mind. Yes, for sure. And you know, it's good. Shauna has his bowl of Cheetos. Then yeah. there you go. Here's your rocket fuel. <laughs> that's so fun. Well, thanks for sharing your story and being so candid. Yeah. I hope that the more that people hear about other people's stories the a the more that we realize that we are all the same it's so easy to see people walking down the street that look fit and healthy and just imagine they've never struggled you know that's been a big eye-opener for me just being in the fitness world is i see people and they walk into my class and i assume that oh like they look like they've been working out forever i find out no they're new to it um or they've struggled with something or they've just overcome something really difficult and, you know, walking around, I would never imagine that you used to be 92 pounds and struggled eating because you're strong fit and you do 900 sports, <laughs> you know, and people that meet me, they, they, people say to me, you must have always been fit. They have no idea I used to be 400 pounds. Um, so to know that we all have a history and none of us get out of this unscathed. So to share our story, it's, it, it normalizes all of us and I think it empowers all of us. So 
So thanks for sharing. You're welcome. I hope this can help somebody. Yes. So that's Sarah. You can follow her on Instagram. I'll make sure to post that in the podcast notes because she posts really cool motivational content and really interesting, you know, hula hooping and Pilates. And um, you did a mommy and me uh, session the other day at at the Carillon. It was so cute to teach. I love that, teaching kids young. It was breath work. Breath work. So fun. And Sarah's learning sound bath. Sound healing. Sound healing. I'm doing all the things. All the things. It's so cool. <laughs> Tell you, it's, we get one big life, one big beautiful life. You Enjoy it. Things. Awesome. All right. That's all we have for you. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Thank you. I never know how to end these. We'll just end it. <laughs>